in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Guys, the Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Welcome back into another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Moe. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome into the podcast. It is so good to be here. We are live as always. It is Wednesday, January 18th. A beautiful day, Mitch, and we have a jam-packed podcast ahead of us. The NFL playoffs are, uh, man, it's getting it's getting hot and heavy right now. I'll tell you that. I'm I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. Super Wild Card Weekend uh, was awesome. We are going to start off with a recap of that. We'll get into divisional round preview at the end of it, uh, and then sandwiched in between there on the podcast today, uh, we we have another draft for the folks, Mitch, and this one's going to be a good one. It's gonna, I think we're gonna make some people mad. I think we might make a couple of you mad, and I'm looking forward to that. Bring it on! I wanna hear it. I wanna hear (laughs) it. You're gonna make me mad. I already know. You can tell the people now, Mitch. Tell the people what what we're doing for the draft at the midpoint of the podcast. So we're gonna be drafting our best quarterbacks of all time. Hmm. I'm saying best because maybe greatness usually associated with winning, maybe isn't necessarily the most important criteria when talking about the best quarterbacks of all time. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into that debate when we get there, but um, it's going to be a doozy of a draft. Um, I, I'm so th- I, I got to give you credit yeah. for bringing this one up because this was, this was your brainchild. So I will give you credit yes. there. Um, it, it should be a really, really fun one. I love this draft segment that we've been doing. Yeah, It's no, uh, I'm very, it's so it's much awesome. fun. I, the love the competition back and forth. And I also love that you're already laying in caveats for your selections uh, later on in the draft. So you're just, I love that you're laying that right at the beginning of the podcast so that everyone knows when we get there, you've laid the groundwork uh, for yourself. So uh, well done there, Mitch. Uh, Again, as I mentioned, we're live on the YouTube, on the Twitter. If you're watching, hello, tell us hello in the comments. Uh, If you're tuning in tonight, if you have anything to say about, uh, what we're talking about or any opinions on our thoughts, let us know below in the comments. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast later on, uh, hello from uh, the past. The past. Yeah. yeah. And ho- hello to the future. Hello to the future. Uh, you know, I guess that's kind of cool. Crazy to think about. But uh, yeah, good to be here. Man. I'm so excited for this. The NFL playoffs are like the best time of year. The, the wild card oh weekend's God. awesome. The expanded playoff has made it so much better. So uh, I, you it's know what? like. Let's- it's like Christmas never ended with the football Ooh. playoffs. You know, it's yeah. like it's just like we get fo- we get Christmas through February now because Ooh. we just get gifts of great football for the next four, you know, five weeks, six weeks. Thanks. And it's it, it's 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 the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. It's, the most it's really the end of the holiday season ends in February after the Super Bowl. So 
you're not wrong, Mitch. And uh, to your point, Santa and uh, Santa's little helper are still in the playoffs. So they're they're holding on to the Christmas spirit over there in, in the Big Apple as well. <laughs> the Giants. That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> Brian Dable and Week Martindale holding it down. We'll get to them here in a little bit. So, yeah, no more do, Mitch. I think we need to uh, we're, we're start with the wild card recap, but we do have to start off the podcast uh, as we always do. And, of course, uh, that's with, with the news. That's right. Let's get into the news and notes around the world of sports. Let's get into the news! Man, I growled a little Love bit it. there. I didn't mean to get that growly. Ooh. It's like a little Got- bear. <laughs> oh, no. I'm in a weird mood today, man. I'm not love that. Lie. I'm in I a weird love mood. We're, I, I kind of feel the same way, Mitch. It's uh, it's weird Wednesday. That's what we're about today. Um Right. Wild card weekend. Let's let's start off uh, just a recap of of what happened over the three days, six games. Honestly, every game, most most of these games were really really good. Um, apart from the first game and the last game, and let's start with that first game, Mitch. San Francisco and Seattle, number seven seed. Seahawks number two seed San Francisco and the Niners took care of business 41 to 23. Now Seattle did lead this game at halftime. Uh, it was 17, 16 at half and Seattle was, uh, you know, doing enough to stay in the game and, and, and show some fight. You thought, all right, yeah, Seattle, you know, they're not, they're not just going to turn over, but uh, man, the Niners really put it on in the second half, 25 to six. They outscored the Seahawks in the second half. The, Offense just relentless. Brock Purdy with four touchdowns in his debut in the playoff, or yeah, four touchdowns, including three passing in his playoff debut. So, a Niners won as we expected, but uh, man, to see him pull away like that, it just reminds you of how talented and impressive this team really is. I mean, it's 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 incredible what stable quarterback play will do for this team. When you when you just get a stable guy under center, it, it like literally the sky's the limit for this team. They brocked and rolled all night and purdied every day with Brock Purdy under center. I love that pun. I'm gonna stick with that pun I know you uh, do. I think, until it's they're not, not in this thing good. anymore. Um, but you know, 18 for 30, 332 and three through the air, like you said, through three through the air. Uh, he had the one on the ground as well. Um, what I think I loved most about Brock Purdy's performance is not necessarily the numbers. Um, the big playability, but watching him have show the ability to improvise very Russell Wilson and Seattle esque um, his ability to, to make a, make something out of nothing is really, really fun to watch. And I, I think we need more quarterbacks like that. You know, you, you get the Lamar Jacksons where you kind of expect them to run the ball 50% of the time and improvis, improvis, improvisation is not necessarily their strong suit, they just have really good legs and they and they use them. Brock Purdy finds a way to make things happen even though he lacks that little bit of athletic ability that uh, that athletic advantage that Lamar Jackson has. So, um really really fun performance for him. Kish McCaffrey was fantastic on the ground as well as well through the air, caught the, you know, um Russell was two for 17 with the touchdown. So, you know, just an all around dominating performance. Maybe the first half doesn't write that story, but the second half surely did. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think Mitch, to your point, uh, I think what you spoke on about Brock Purdy is the difference 
that Purdy brings as opposed to Jimmy Garoppolo. And there are a lot Absolutely. of similarities, right? Because Jimmy Garoppolo at his peak brought this team to a Super Bowl. And, you know, they didn't ask him to do that much. And, you know, uh, but I think one of those biggest differences is, yeah, you can make the plays. You could get the ball out to the playmakers and they make those plays. And that's what this Niners offense is all about. I mean, they've got a freaking Warriors death lineup out there. I mean, just think about it. I mean, you're, you've got Samuel. You've got Ayuk, you've got Kittle, you've got McCaffrey, and like you've got Uzcheck as like the fifth best option, like just to throw in there. Elijah Mitchell. As, yeah, I mean, and that's just, I mean, they all right, those are just the five. But like, so it's very easy to have success if you could get those guys the ball and do what you need to do. And Purdy does that well. But what he has shown to add to this Niners offense is that ability to just extend the plays a little bit longer, improvise a little bit and make a play. And that's something we saw Jimmy Garoppolo failed to do. It's part of the reason why they looked to add at court at the quarterback position after that Super Bowl loss, because they knew they needed somebody that could bring a level of dynamism. Now is Purdy that long-term? I mean, that's a whole, that's conversation for another day right now. We'll focus on the playoffs and the success that they're having. And certainly seems like they should be one of, if not the favorite, in the NFC with how this team is playing. Uh, very excited to see their divisional round matchup, and we'll uh, we'll get to that at the end of the podcast. Uh, any thoughts on, on the Seahawks and this performance here? Obviously, a tough way to go. We didn't expect them to even be in this place at the beginning of the season, so I don't think this is anything negative to take away for Seattle per se, but um, anything you wanted to share here? No, I, I think that this is, this is probably as good as it was going to get for Seattle, uh, barring a miracle. I mean, I, there was no, I think they probably had a snowball chances, you know, snowball's chance in hell is getting, but getting by the Niners with how red hot they, how well Brock Purdy was playing, how good the defense has been all year long. Um, it, it, it really was going to be a tough, tough road for them to even think about getting into the divisional round of whether they played San Francisco or not. So, yeah. um, a great run for him. Like you said, we didn't expect him to be here. Geno Smith, personally for me, is my comeback player of the year. He had a fantastic yep. season. Nothing to hang his head about. Um, and I think that, unfortunately, this may be the the career year for Geno Smith because as we look forward to the NFL draft, is Geno Smith's job safe? Are they going to go out and get a quarterback? Is there going to be uh, some competition at that position uh, for Seattle? So, um a great year, uh, given the circumstances of what the Seahawks went through last offseason. Um, but uh, this was really as about as far as I could have ever thought they were going to get. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I want to shout out DK Metcalf for a great playoff performance. 10 catches, 136 yards, two touchdowns. He was up for the for the task today. And uh, I mean, this. Seahawks team, like you said, show, showed they showed a lot of promise this year. And, and you know, there's it seems like an intention to bring back Geno Smith. Uh, if that is the case, you feel really confident that they could just add on defense and, you know, be right back in here in the playoffs and maybe even more competitive next year. So things going really well in Seattle. And, uh, you know, again, just uh, this is all icing on the cake. The playoffs, you know, just getting here was a big win for Seattle. The, you know, losing this game is what it is. So, uh, Mitch, the right. other Saturday night game, though, this was probably the best game of the weekend. Uh, and it looked like it going into it. Jacksonville 
and the Chargers in the swamps of Jacksonville. And man, we were in for a treat. Uh, it didn't look like it in the first half, though. At one point in the second quarter, the Chargers led 27 to nothing. But those pesky Jags, they didn't give up, Mitch. Tw- trailed 27-7 at half. They come back to win this thing 31-30. to uh, I have a few thoughts on this. I'll let you go first there, here with your thoughts on this game and and uh, the, the historic collapse by the Chargers and the historic comeback by the Jaguars. Third largest comeback in NFL playoff history, 27 points. Um, Duval showed out. Duval stuck with them. Duval got themselves a dub. And I don't think... I don't think that this is so much something to look forward to with Jacksonville. I think that they have a lot of really great young talent, but I don't think that this is, I'm not, what I'm taking away from this is not that Jacksonville put together this great comeback. For me, it's LA's collapse. Hmm. I mean, they had Trevor Lawrence's number in that first half through four picks. At one point, Asante Samuel, I think it was halfway through the second quarter or halfway through the second quarter, had more receptions than the entire Jack Wires receiving core. <laughs> like this was this was this was their game to lose. And the collapse is just again, like I've said at the beginning of the year in our way too early, like I said in our preseason predictions. The Chargers once again let all the people down that were optimistic about the Chargers. And I'm done with the Chargers. Mm. I know they made the playoffs. I'm done with the Chargers. Done with them. They're going to have to show something to me now because you, you don't blow a 27 nothing lead in the playoffs and, and expect to be held in high regards and have high expectations in this year. You just don't. I, it, it, no matter how talented your roster is, Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and all these guys, it, it doesn't matter anymore. Um. On the Jaguars side of things, Trevor Lawrence might be our generation's Brett Favre. Um, and by that, I mean he's going to have some gaudy numbers, but he's going to have some really gaudy bad numbers. Like, he might just be one of those guys. It's like, oh, yeah, he threw for four touchdowns today. I mean, he threw three interceptions, but he threw for four tuds. And that's kind of the way Brett Favre played. And I think we might be looking at something like that with Trevor Lawrence. Not necessarily the gunslinger improvisation type stuff that you saw from Favre, but um, you know, the, the decision-making still needs to be sharpened up with Trevor Lawrence and he pulled it together and orchestrated a great comeback. It was a very yeah, exciting he, game. I'm glad we got yeah, it. His resilience was one of the most impressive things. I mean, your first career playoff start pressures on your shoulders and you start off the game with four picks, right? I mean, anybody, anybody would have shrunk in that moment and it would have been understandable if they would have just shriveled and died. Right. But he didn't. He could have, and he did not. He he rallied that team and stayed in it. And those last five offensive drives for Jacksonville, Mitch, they scored 31 points. They scored on all five of those drives, four touchdowns, and then the game-winning field goal on that final offensive drive. And that is, to me, the biggest story of this game is that Jacksonville did not give up 
Trevor Lawrence didn't give up. They stuck to that game plan and uh, credit to Doug Peterson and that staff credit to the culture that he built in Jacksonville in a single year. Cause remember how dysfunctional this franchise was a year oh, ago. God. They had the number one pick. They had back to back number one picks. Urban Meyer had uh, girls grinding on it, on them at bars, right? I mean, this was a mess. It was an absolute dumpster fire. The fact that they're even halfway competent is a miracle. The fact that they're winning playoff games after trailing in this deficit with a second-year quarterback in his first playoff start and all of this is just unprecedented. So, uh, I mean, that goes a huge credit to Doug Peterson there uh, on that and, and this Jacksonville team. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I look at, you know, I think what was a reminder this week, Mitch, and I'll, I'll discuss this as we get into a couple of these other games, but I love the NFL playoffs because the talent on the field, these teams are so even, right? But it always comes down to just a handful of plays. Every game, handful of plays. You could you could pick out a handful of plays from every game, and you're like, this is what decided it. They go a different way. Game's a different, whole different thing. This game came down to two things for me. One, Dicker the Kicker. Love him. Great nickname, Dicker the Kicker. But you miss that field goal with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, a chance to make it a 13-point game. He misses that field goal, keeps it 30 to 20 Jackson, uh, 30 to 20 LA Jacksonville scores in three minutes. They score a touchdown. Uh, they go for two, another huge play right there. That's the Joey Bosa penalty where he slams his helmet. Just a stupid thing. I don't know what the hell he's thinking there. Uh, cost his team a point there. Jacksonville goes for two, gets it. Now sets him up to hit the game-winning field goal at the end of the game. If he makes that field goal right now, we're discussing touchdown situations. That It's a whole different game, right? Uh, and then, finally, the fourth and one play. The fourth and one mm. play on that final drive, the guts and the gall to not just go for it on fourth and one there, but not to sneak it up the middle like we see, not to do the QB push from behind, all those goal line. No, you bounce it outside with ETN. The way that's blocked up, you get him one-on-one -on -one with a corner. And you're saying Travis ETN against your corner. We'll take that 100% of the time. And it worked. It worked perfectly. So just, I mean... Those two made those two <clears throat> moments make the difference in this game and credit to Jacksonville for pulling off an incredible comeback. Oh my gosh. It was it it was yeah. Incredible. Great. That's why we love the playoffs. That's why we love the That's playoffs. why we love it. You know, I mean, how about great. the comebacks we've had in the last few weeks? Oh, oh we yeah. had a record setting comeback. I guess that was more than a few weeks ago, but right. you know, and then we have this one. My goodness, what a year this has been so far. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, and we still got more to go. I love yeah. it. I love it. So, yeah, Sunday. We'll jump into Sunday now. Miami in Buffalo. This was uh, Sunday, first game on, on Sunday. AFC East matchup. The Bills get it done 34 to 31. Bills were favored heavy in this game, large part due to Skylar Thompson, uh, seventh round pick. Former seventh round pick out of Kansas State getting the start for Miami. No Tua Tonga Bailoa. And man, uh, a lot of credit has to go to Miami for sticking in this game. Uh, much like you know, we were talking about with the Jags. They they couldn't pull off the win, but they didn't give up. I think that goes. Uh, I was very impressed with Mike McDaniel in this game, Mitch. I think that's what impressed me because Miami was so good for the beginning part of this season. And then the two injury happened and things really fell apart. And it's not just that Tua was injured. There are more factors to that. And coaching probably has some to blame to that, but they still got in the playoffs. They fought, they got in. And then they put up a valiant performance in this game with a third string quarterback. And 
that goes to the coaching staff and the culture. Mike McDaniel doing a great year uh, job in his first year there in Miami, but uh, they can't get it done despite a lot of turnovers from Josh Allen. Uh, he was trying to get keep them in this game, and Miami was hanging on as a result. They scored on a lot of those turnovers that kept Miami in this game. If Josh Allen doesn't have as many, and some of them were fluky, right? There were some fluky ones in there, but I mean, we talked about this. We've talked about this before in the podcast. The turnovers have been an issue for him this year, and it's not just interceptions either. It's fumbles. He, It's been the one yeah. bugaboo about the Bills and about Josh Allen this year. It's like, and here it was in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, they win this game, but a couple things go differently. They lose this, and you're looking at it like that's the blame. So uh, not that they got lucky here. They certainly earned this win. They were a better team than Miami, and down the stretch, I think they proved it in this game. But uh, hopefully, I guess, if you're Buffalo and Josh Allen, you got it out of your system this week, and you're not seeing that type of uh, frivolousness with the ball and, and, and looseness uh, against uh, Cincinnati. Yeah, you got to be better. You got to be better with the football. And I, I have to bring this up because this is something I bring up with the Bills. I feel like every time we talk about them, is they have to establish a run game. They mm. have to, and they didn't do it again this week. Yep. I mean, Devin Singletary was ten for forty-eight. He was their leading rusher. If you don't have a run game, Josh Allen is forced to throw the ball more. And then if Josh Allen is forced to throw the ball more in third and long situations because you haven't established a run game, now you're putting them in more risk-taking situations, and that's where the turnovers happen. They have yep. to be able to establish the run game. And as much as I think the Bills are a team of destiny this year, like this just feels like their year. Damn, as though they got the win, it seems like a very disappointing win to me. Like this should mm -hmm. not have been a three-point game. Skylar Thompson was God awful, right? 18 for 45. Yeah. 220 and two picks. I mean, that should scream 34 to 14. Yeah. And, yeah, and here we are looking at a three point game. And it's like, man, yep. if you just keep your own quarterback out of situations where he doesn't have to turn the ball over, you're, you're winning this game by two or three scores. And it's very, yep. very simple. Just establish yep. the run game. You bring that up. It's a great point. I'm looking at these team stats. Uh, I mean, Miami's four of 16 on third down. They have 231 total yards in the game. They only ran for 42 yards on 20 attempts. They had seven penalties and they lost this game by three points. You know what I mean? It's like, like you look at these numbers, like you said, Buffalo should have won this game by three touchdowns. Uh, so again, perhaps it's, Good, you got it out of the way against Miami. It's not, you're not going to get away with it against Cincinnati next week. You're not getting away with it against the Bengals. Uh, they will beat you and they'll beat you handily. You put up that kind of performance. So we'll see how they bounce back uh, against Cincinnati, but certainly something uh, to monitor as far as it goes uh, for Buffalo, Mitch. Let's jump over to the next game here an NFC matchup Giants and, and Vikings. Giants pulling off uh, the win in Minneapolis, in Minneapolis, the wild card team getting it done 31 to 24. You know, this, um, this Giants team, man, <laughs> this Giants team just getting it done when it matters and uh, extremely impressive to see them do it uh, here against a 13 win Minnesota team. And I think it's the offense, Mitch. This was a top 10 offense at DVOA this season. And here they are in the playoffs, and they continue to do it. Now, Minnesota's defense isn't too impressive, but still, 
to see them get this win, to see them uh, perform at a high level. They didn't fluke their way into this. You know, it wasn't some ugly game that they just sort of managed to get a win in this. They, they beat the Vikings and they beat them well. And I'm very impressed with this Giants team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very impressed with this Giants team. I, I think some connection issues here, so I'll just continue uh, with this, with this Giants uh, Vikings conversation. Look, the Giants, man, they put together again a, another great, great um, game. That again, we don't expect much, much like in the same vein as the Seattle Seahawks. We don't expect. Um, the giants to be doing the same types of things. Another team that we had at four or five wins um, at the beginning of the year. And here they are getting themselves into playoff position and they're beating a team win Minnesota Vikings. Um, Daniel Jones played exceptionally well. He also ran the ball very, very well. I mean, this guy was a workhorse 17 for 78 on the ground. Guy was an absolute workhorse. Um, it's 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 one of those situations where I just credit to Brian Dable and Wink Martindale, Santa and Santa's little helper, getting it done in the playoffs against a team that in Minnesota where, damn it, they were frauds. They were frauds. And we knew it the whole damn time. I'll tell you that right now. We knew it the whole damn time that Minnesota was not going, was not real. Um, so... You know, it's it's a it's it's a tough one for me because I feel like that though New York puts together a good quality win against Minnesota, it doesn't feel as quality um, mm. because you know Minnesota was fraud; they were frauds the entire year. Yeah, you know, it is. I think you bring up a good point. It is kind of hard to sort of judge. Like, what do we really know about this Giants team now? Because Minnesota isn't that impressive. Uh, you know, the offense is good and the offense was good in this game. I thought Minnesota's offense did fine. TJ Hawkinson. I think he really showed the value of his trade. Uh, why you make that move when you need somebody else outside of Justin Jefferson, who can you go to? He was so big on third down. I think 80% of his catches converted first downs, uh, and they came on third or fourth down. So he was coming up big time and time again for Minnesota, but this defense has been bad and was bad all season. They got away with it. But the flaws were always there, as you said, and they were evident in this game. So I think what it gives Minnesota moving forward, at least this offseason, is a vision of what you need to correct. Yeah, you know, the, the corrections are clear. You need to get talented on defense. You need to get younger. You need all levels need to improve. I mean, it's just as simple as that. So at least you have that. At least you know the offense is good. And uh, I mean, they were what negative point differential this year. So yeah, I mean, for a 13 win team, they were always kind of sus. Uh, and here they are losing in the first round to a, a good wild card team. Nothing to, you know, no disrespect to the Giants, but, uh, you know, kind of a weird game in general. Exceptionally weird. Exceptionally weird. I don't feel like there was. It's one of those weird ones where, like, I don't feel like there was really a winner out of this game. Like, it just feels like the Giants played really well, but, like, the Vikings were the better team, but they also weren't at mm. the same time. It's just it. It just feels weird to me. Good for Brian Dable, Wink Martindale, yeah. and the New York Giants, but um, a weird one. A weird yeah. one 
uh, in Minnesota this week. Absolutely. Final uh, Sunday game, Mitch, Sunday night, AFC North matchup, Bengals and Ravens. Cincinnati gets this one done 24-17 against uh, Tyler Huntley, the backup quarterback for the Ravens. No Lamar Jackson with the PCL injury, and uh, Ravens weren't able to get it done in this one. No surprise. I mean, again, uh, you know, you have the AFC defending AFC champs from last year in Cincinnati, a Bengals team that's so banged up and at the quarterback position, especially right now, it's just uh, not good. So, uh, you know, didn't expect them necessarily to win this, but I thought Baltimore had a, a an admirable effort. The defense certainly showed out, and that's what carried this team down the stretch in particular, uh, how good this talented defense is. And uh, they certainly kept that up in this game against a good Cincinnati offense. Uh, I thought Tyler Huntley played fine, but I didn't think he was great, you know, but I thought he was fine. But uh, again, much as we've talked about, it's it's a handful of moments, right? That goal line, uh, you know, jump in for the goal line from a yard and a half out when you're 5'11", 195 pounds like Tyler Huntley. It just makes no sense. Uh, and then that, for that fumble to flip the game, the, the Cincinnati Bengals take that 99 yards for a touchdown, and there's the game, right? That one play changed everything. Baltimore had him on the rope seemingly, and then it switched on that play. Uh, and, you know, that's just what it comes down to in moments like this in the playoffs. It's a handful of big plays that need to go your way. And, and Cincinnati had them going their way in this game. That's for sure. I mean, really exciting game there uh, at the end. Love the Sam Hubbard play. Love to see a big guy take a, take a ball that far into the end zone. Let me ask you though, Dallin, was that a block in the back? Ooh on. Uh, okay. Remind me the play. Uh, it was the Sam Hubbard fumble recovery. They're about 25 yards out from from him being in the end zone. Yes. I'm going to um, say no because the first engagement was from the side, which kind of wipes that clean. It's kind of that gray area as far as the rule goes. I'm going to say no because there was a clear attempt to disengage from the block in the back. But at the same time, it's it's a gray area I think we need to mop up a little bit because hmm. I know there's a lot of fans from the Baltimore side that are saying there's no way that should have that should have been you know that should have counted that was clearly blocking the back. Of course Cincinnati fans are going, no, I wasn't blocking the back. Right. He engaged from the side. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. So like I mean, I think that we maybe we need to look at that rule a little bit more now. And this is a rule that I'm okay with looking at. You know, I, I think that we should let the guys play, but this hmm. is a rule that like clearly changed the the momentum of the game and uh it is an in crunch time i mean that was the the winning score is what it wound up being and i think it's maybe time we look at that rule and clean it up a little bit but i'm gonna say no hmm. as far as yeah. um as far as the block in the back but i wanted to get your thoughts a little yeah bit i'm gonna say that. no too because i just think you can't call that back in that situation in a playoff game like when it's that gray area as you mentioned i just that's like i you just don't make that call you don't make the game about you you stick your flag in your pocket and you move on and i think that's probably the right you know yeah. sort of way to handle that but that's like that's like calling a guy safe on first with two outs in the middle of a perfect at the end of a perfect game. Mm, right. Like you just yeah. in a, on a close play, even on if he was safe, yeah, you just don't make just, that call. Yep. 
Yeah, you don't make it about you. You yeah. just let the game happen. So yeah, no, I, I that's a tough right. one. But I mean, the game doesn't just come down to that because ultimately the Ravens had a shot at the end of this game to at least try to tie this thing. They're driving down the field. They had plenty of time, but clock management issues. And that's just not, that is not only on Tyler Huntley. That is not only on the backup quarterback. That is on the coaching staff to get this, to get this right, to get the guy to play, yeah. to make him speed up, to manage your clock properly. They absolutely fumbled the bag at the end of there. They could have had three extra plays, four extra plays, and they didn't. And I mean, they fall short you know, who knows if they score on those, but missed opportunities for Baltimore in this, uh, you know, but uh, Bengals move on, set the great matchup against Buffalo next week uh, on, on uh, I guess this weekend. And that'll be, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but that's a great one. That's one of the best. Oh, yeah. uh, Monday night, oh, yeah. Mitch, the Absolutely. final, the fun, Absolutely. final playoff game, uh, Dallas beating Tampa Bay here, uh, 31 to 14, Tom Brady going out in the playoffs here. This was an ugly game. Like the Seahawks Niners game ended up being more of a blowout right at the end of it. But the first half was super competitive. This game was never competitive uh, at all. Uh, it was 18, nothing at halftime uh, 31, 14. Like I said, at the final score, Dallas pretty much dominates Tampa Bay in this one on offense and defense uh, impressive for a Cowboys team that really didn't look impressive down the stretch. I thought, and I was, I mean, I picked Tampa Bay in this one. I, I didn't think the Cowboys would show up enough to win this. And I mean, they looked pretty dominant. So I don't know, like Dak had a huge game. His probably one of his best games of his career. Is this like great timing for Dallas momentum they need to move forward and make a run? Or is this just a, a matchup against not a very good team? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's it's both. I I don't think Tampa Bay is that good, um, but I also think that this is the momentum Dallas needs because what what do we know about Dallas since the year nineteen ninety five? We're almost talking thirty years. Hmm. What can go wrong will go wrong for the Dallas Cowboys. They just always find a way. They oh, and when you think they've found every way to lose. They find another way, and now they've found a way to win. They go out, they beat Tom Brady, they beat the Buccaneers. Now, granted, a bad team, okay? I, I don't think Tampa Bay is even a mediocre team. I think they are a product of being in the NFC South. Hmm. However, Dallas needed this to build a little bit of momentum. They need this going in to, um, who? I mean, who do they even got next week? They, they got, got the Philly, Niners. Right? No, they got the Niners. That's right. We got, Mm -hmm. we got a, that's right. We get a Cowboys Niners matchup. They need that going into San Francisco because man, if they eke one out over Tampa Bay, you know, let's say they, they, let's say they win this one 31, 28, man, San Francisco is a really tough place to go when you just eke one out over probably the worst team in a playoff scenario. Like that's a, that's a tough, tough, pilled the tough tough thing to follow so um a dominating win for the cowboys good momentum builder for them um because they they need all that they can get going into san francisco next week yeah it's a good point and they should be feeling confident mitch and especially on offense and i think that's what's most important about this game for dallas and dax 
uh, specifically five touchdowns in this game, four through the air, one on the ground. And you're going to come up against a very tough Niners defense who is uber confident and uber, you know, just passionate and just flies to the ball and makes plays. That's what they do. So you got to bring your A game and you got to bring and match that confidence and that energy level. And perhaps this performance uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers gives them that confidence to do that against the Niners. We shall see. But uh, ultimately, Dallas getting it done means three NFC East teams into the divisional round of the NFC playoffs. Pretty impressive uh, for that division to have three of the four remaining teams left. And uh, we'll get to those matchups at the end of the podcast. Uh, excited to break down those games, though. Those will be fun. Yes. yes, absolutely. Mitch, to continue our news segment, and we must continue our news segment, we've got to do the weekly Kraken update. And the boys in Seattle are uh, continuing to have a stellar season. We've uh, you know, hit a bit of a bump here, not too much, but last week we talked about a six game win streak. You know, we were rolling everything flying. high. hadn't lost since 2022. Well, uh, the win streaks over eight games is where it ended at. Very impressive for this second year squad in Seattle uh, came, uh, came down to uh, the game against the lightning earlier uh, this weekend. They lost four one. They've lost uh, two. Now they lost the Oilers again last night, but Kraken still remaining strong, 26-14-4 on the season. It's 56 points, second in the Pacific Division, fourth in the Western Conference. Yeah, uh, the boys are rolling. The boys are rolling. Um, look, 8-2 and two in their last 10, right? It's always nice to, I mean, granted, you would have liked one of those losses to at least be, maybe be an overtime loss where you get the point there, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're playing really, really good hockey right now. 56 points. Like you said, third best goal differential in the West right now. Um, only behind the top two, um, in the central division, which is, uh, the Dallas stars and the Winnipeg jets. So, um, Oh no, I'm sorry. No. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Sorry. (laughs) Double check, triple check myself. You're to hear first Um, folks. Yeah. Third best, third best goal differential for them. And like I said, for the last few weeks, they're outplaying the Kings. They're outplaying yeah. the Kings. And and now we actually are sitting above the Kings in this division. And it, and it feels better because like we knew they were outplaying the whole time. They weren't the better team. Um, and now we're in a situation where that's being represented. So um, good for the Kraken. Good for the boys. Um, uh, keep rolling. Keep pucking out. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Mitch, got a quick uh, NASCAR update for the folks before we get to the campus tour. That's right. We got a quick update because Dallin, the first event of the year, the new NASCAR season, is just a few weeks away. We are going back to the L.A. Coliseum for the Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum Sunday, February 5th. Make sure you tune into that. It is good old-fashioned short track racing in a Coliseum setting. Um, last year was an absolute banger. Um, they and they they went all out for it, and rightfully so. This is a sport that needed a new crop of fans into it, and they really played into that and brought in a new crop of fans. Ice Cube was like their halftime show right before the yep. main event. Right this year, they got Wiz Khalifa coming in, and it, it's a it's a lot of fun. It's a great great night of short track racing i encourage you even if you're not necessarily a race fan tune in i'm sure you'll like it it's beating it's banging it's trading paint 
The entertainment's great. Um, it's a ton of fun. So um, the first event coming up February 5th, that's a Sunday. Make sure you tune in on that. I know that's also the same night as the Pro Bowl games. So kind of a okay. tough schedule. Maybe was- a little bit of a scheduling conflict. <laughs> But, I was immediately um, like, no, it's not. But then I remembered you said Pro Bowl games because it's not just, you know, they've mixed it up. It's flag football. It, so I might actually be yeah. interested in watching that this year. That's right. So, like, you know, there's there's definitely a, a little bit of a conflict. I know I'm going to have to, like, find the gaps in the race to go watch the Pro Bowl because I'm not, I'm not missing this event. It's, yeah. it's a can't it's a can't miss must watch type of event. So. Um, I encourage race fans and non-race fans to go check it out. Bush class at the Coliseum. Love it. Yeah. I loved this event last year. thought it was super cool uh, for NASCAR to do and, and they're bringing it back for another season. Uh, love that. So I think it's a good way to start off uh, the year for them uh, in LA. So I'd love to see it. Mitch, we're going to jump over to the campus tour. A few things here in the campus tour today. Uh, start with uh, not significant news, but it's not worthwhile to bring up here. And that is the reports that uh, Jim Harbaugh will be returning to Michigan, uh, won't be taking an NFL job. There were rumors, and we talked about him and the connections with Denver and then Carolina and maybe Indianapolis. But uh, it is seemingly he is set to return to Michigan and is happy there for now. And uh, we'll do this all again a year from now. Uh, there'll be more head coaching jobs and we'll, we'll talk about Jim Harbaugh for all of those. And then we'll see if he ever takes one, but, uh, this is just the early tradition, I guess, at this point, kind of where I thought he might end up anyway. I mean, it, 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 it seemed pretty unlikely he was going to leave Michigan and you know what, honestly, I think he, I think he made the right decision going back Mm -hmm. to Michigan and maybe running it back and trying it one more time. If he, you know, maybe if he doesn't get it, maybe he does take that NFL job, you know, and and get, I don't, I don't know if they're going to pay him as much as Michigan will, but you know, it, you, yeah. you got to think the numbers are similar. And um, getting a job in the NFL again is, it seems like uh, the right place for Jim Harbaugh to go. So, um, glad he's back in Michigan. I think it's the right move for him. Um, and uh, I think we, I think kind of what we all expected to happen. Yeah, you know, I. I think he's rightfully taking his time to find the the perfect job and he should because he's got a great position right now at Michigan and they're winning and so he has no reason to leave and I think he's smart to explore his options every year and and do the meeting and hear the pitch and see what they got but ultimately like you he can afford to be patient right and maybe next year that perfect fit you know lines up this year it didn't really seem like there was one so I'm not really surprised right. as you said uh that he ends up back at Michigan uh, transfer portal update. Not much of an update. No, no, no real big news in the transfer portal. A couple backup quarterbacks transferring here and there, you know, high level prospects that coming out of high school, but not big name college guys. So not, not much to update there with the transfer portal. I do want to update the NFL draft order because, uh, with the playoffs ending, we have an update to the NFL draft order. First 18 teams were, were set after the regular season ended, but now we have, uh, an update to the order. So I will go from there from 19 on Lions picking at number uh, 18 there to wrap up the non-playoff teams. It'll follow at number 19, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number 20, the Seattle Seahawks at number 21, the Los Angeles Chargers number 22, the Baltimore Ravens. And at number 23, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, if you're counting, that's only five teams. That is because Miami forfeited 
their first round pick this year. If you don't remember this news from before the season, or maybe you didn't hear it, uh, Miami does not have a first round pick this year or a third round pick next year due to an investigation uh, finding uh, you know issues with the integrity of the game with the owner of the Dol- uh, Dolphins, Stephen Ross, who reportedly uh, contacted Sean Payton and Tom Brady while they were playing last season to set up the potential of all of them coming to Miami for this season, the 2022 NFL season. Uh, obviously that did play out. He was contacting current employees of other teams and that's where the issue lies. And so they lose their first round pick for Miami. So bummer there. So there will be only 31 picks in the first round, but that's the update there. Some intriguing teams there. I think Tampa Bay and that quarterback situation, they're in an interesting spot in the mid rounds there, Mitch as far as quarterback in this draft goes. So depending on what happens with Tom Brady and his future, you know, could they look at the quarterback of the future there in the first round? I think they could, uh, that could certainly be a possibility. Yeah, they absolutely should. They absolutely should. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this draft order? Any of these specific teams? Nothing too crazy. No. <laughs> nothing too crazy i mean it's it's it, i i i'm glad you you updated on us uh, you know or re iterated what you know miami lost their pick for because to be honest with you i totally forgot and then yeah. i had to relook <laughs> it up so i'm, I'm glad yeah. you mentioned it there so i totally forgot about the tampering scheme so yes but, yeah um yeah yeah there you go all right uh we'll wrap up the campus tour here with the player to know before the NFL draft, as we have done throughout the season, uh, give you a player uh, that you should be paying attention to before the NFL draft in April. Uh, last time in this segment, we talked about quarterback CJ Stroud out of Ohio state who did declare. We had the underclassmen, the deadline for underclassmen to declare on Monday night, Mitch. Uh, we didn't talk about this because basically everyone expected to declared. you know, we were waiting on Quentin Johnston waiting on CJ Stroud. Uh, you know, for other guys, those guys went, uh, the only notable big names, Olu Fashinu was a guy that was on this list that obviously is returned. We've talked about that Blake Corum, the running back for Michigan will be returning for another year. That's pretty significant news for college football. Uh, Jared verse is another draft prospect out of Florida state who's decided to return for another year, uh, there with the Seminoles. But other than that, pretty much everyone expected, uh, to be in this class right now. And, uh, the player that we're going to focus on this week is a secondary player I'm very excited about. One of the, I feel like one of the later risers in this draft in the last couple of weeks, and that's Brian Branch, the safety out of Alabama. Uh, one of your guys, Mitch, I felt like you would enjoy this one this week. Got to get a Crimson Tide. Roll Tide. Uh, but yeah, Roll Brian tide. Branch, the safety, six foot 193, is listed number 14 for the uh, Crimson Tide. And, you know, what I. Uh, he he's the top safety in this class, Mitch. He's the top safety in this class by most metrics and by most, he's pretty like far ahead. Uh, some people have him and the Texas A&M safety, Antonio Johnson, a little bit closer, but Brian branch is safety one in this class. In fact, PFF updated their big board. And not only does he, their safety one, but he is number 10 on all of their prospects on their big board. He is the number 10 prospect at safety. Uh, and that caught my eye. I've been, I've had my own branch for a minute, but to see them rate him so high, I thought was very interesting. So I kind of dug into him, and that's what leads to him on the list here today. Mitch, my why I'm excited about Brian Branch is because I got excited about a player last year for a lot of these same reasons. And uh, he's one of my favorite players in that last draft class. He's actually a guy we talked about on the podcast last week. 
Uh, but Brian Branch is going to have a Jalen Petrie like impact on the NFL as a rookie next year. Mm. That's that's the guy. That is the fit. That is the guy. And let me talk you through this year. So Brian Branch, six foot one ninety three, playing safety for Alabama. Jalen Petrie at Baylor, five eleven, one ninety eight, right around that same range. And when we talked about Petrie last year, the, you know, so the thought was, yeah, he's a safety, but. He does everything. He lines up at nickel. He lines up in the box. He lines up at D-line. You look at Petrie's stats, uh, 600 uh, snaps at the slot corner, 122 in the box uh, in the, as the box safety, 153 at D-line, right? So more versatile, but definitely more of a slot player at college. Brian Branch this year, Mitch, for the Alabama Crimson Tide, 569 snaps at slot corner. 136 in the box, only 25 at free safety. So he has not been a, he's not a free safety type. He is a around the line of scrimmage, make plays type of player. Very similar to what we saw from Jalen Petrie. You want that type of athlete around the ball, making plays, which is what Brian Branch does. But what I find interesting at the next level, Mitch, is that Jalen Petrie hasn't just remained to be that box slot player in the NFL. No, no, no. In fact, he is adapted. Houston has changed him into a free safety early in the season. Petrie snaps were about split between the box and the free safety position. He was still playing some slot corner here and there, but uh, you know, mainly, you know, about half in the box, half at free safety, but second half of the season, he's playing 80% of his snaps at that free safety back safety position and playing it at a high level. Cause he's that type of athlete. Brian branch is that same type of guy. So, if Petrie can find this transition in the NFL, second round pick with Houston, right? Like 40s, I think he was the pick. So top half of the second round. But if he can find that sort of versatility in a role in the NFL, having not played basically any free safety in college. I mean, Petrie had 14 snaps at Baylor in that free safety position. And this year he probably had 300 snaps. Uh, and Brian Branch is the same situation, only 25, but he's the type of athlete that can make that transition. He showed the, the ability to make plays around the line of scrimmage. And that's why I like him. I think he's in the secondary. That type of versatile athlete is so valuable. Kyle Hamilton's a similar athlete, but he's just six, four and huge, right? That's like the outlier there. But because of the size, I think Branch is a first-round player. I don't know if he goes in the first round because I thought Petrie was a first-round player, but he falls into the second round because when you're, you know, kind of that, you know, good at everything, not great at one thing, you know, how valuable are you to the NFL? So you, we may see Branch fall a bit, but I think he is a first-round talent through and through. Uh, there's a reason why PFF has him as a top-10 player. He is the highest-graded safety as far as uh, making tackles. Uh, he basically does it. He's the most sure-tackled safety PFF's ever graded. Uh, that's the kind of guy I want on my football field. So that's player to know before the NFL draft this week. It is Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama. I love Brian Branch. I love Brian Branch. Clearly, roll damn tide. Um, <laughs> but also, to, to your point about the size, because for a safety, like 193, that's a decent build for a safety. It's not great, yep. but it's decent. And we saw this trend a lot at the linebacker position, right? Patrick Queen comes to mind. A um, little bit undersized linebacker. Isaiah Simmons, who has put weight on since he came out of college, but was an undersized linebacker when he came out of college, uh, could kind of play that DB type of role. Um, we're seeing that now more, yeah, more in the defensive back position. And Brian Branch, to me, though he's a safety to Alabama, to 
to exactly what you just pointed out, screams Nickelback. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's got to be playing that nickel role. That kind of um, if you're if you're playing a team where you know you need to match speed for speed on the field, and you're not you know you're not trying to outsize outpower him, you need to match with speed. Brian Branch would be a great addition to that defense because, like you said, the most sure tackler um, of any of the defensive backs right now. So. Um, Brian Branch uh, is a a very hybrid type defensive back that I think is going to have a big impact on wherever he goes. I don't think it really matters where he goes. He's going to have an impact on that defense. Yeah, no, 100%. And that's what I loved about Petrie last year was that versatility. You could throw him in any defense and he'll he'll find a role and he'll do it really well. And I believe that about Brian Branch. I, I very much believe uh, he'll be a fit for any team that needs somebody in the secondary, needs a playmaker, needs a sure a sure tackler, and he's that guy. So uh, in, a, in a safety class that's not very strong, we might not see one go in the first round. If there is one, I think it'll be Brian Branch. So uh, there you go. That's going to do it for the campus tour. Uh, so we're going to take a break. We'll we'll take a quick two-minute break. We'll hit our mid-roll. And then on the other side, we're going to draft our top five uh, greatest quarterbacks of all time. <sighs> and then we'll get into our NFL uh, divisional round preview. So a lot of fun on the back half of the podcast. So stick around, and we'll be right back. We appreciate you wherever you're listening. But if you haven't already, we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on Anchor. Anchor allows us to provide the best product to you. You can go support the Sports Hour and become a permanent part of the show, like my saint of a mother, Sammy, and my father, David, did. You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better than me and Mitchmo. Moral of the story, people, be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the Sports Hour, guys and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Sports Hour podcast. You heard the word in that mid-roll there. Go mm. to anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys. Be more like Sammy and David. Go check out the anch- go check out the anchor at anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys become a permanent part of the conversation. Dallin, as we get into our second half, we're going to get into the divisional round here in just a little bit, but we're going to have some fun first before we get to the business. And we got, we got a thought provoking draft ahead of us. I hope so. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Mitch and I are going to go back and forth and draft our top five of uh, wh- wh- what did you say? Not the greatest, but the best quarterbacks of all time. Well, greatness could play a factor into it, but <laughs> there, there are more than just greatness is just one of the factors. I think. Yes. Listen, this is a subjective list. Full stop. All right. Obviously like numbers play into this, but Mitch and I are going to make these selections based on who we like and who we view as great. That's going to be part of the fun. So we will uh, want to hear your thoughts on this. So if you see anything egregious on this list, if you're just like, I don't know who, what they're thinking or how they missed this guy, uh, let us know if you're watching live on YouTube or Twitter.
here. Uh, let us know in the comments if you're listening to the podcast afterwards. Let us know on Anchor or on our socials uh, what you thought. But uh, that's the draft today. We'll go back and forth. Who, uh, Mitch, who's going to start this week? Look, I, I went first last week, I believe, right? I do think you did go for go okay. first. Okay. So I think you should go first. And then that will even it out, and then we could start flipping every time. We could start okay. flipping a coin every time. Okay. But for the last time, Ooh. we'll alternate, and then you could draft first here. So. Oh, that was the sound. Do you like that? I got to play a little I louder. I had to make sure I had it. Okay. Um, do it I don't do like that you made. Well, I'll, I'll do it when I'm ready. I, I, I have this pick, okay. but I'm going to just take a little time. I don't like that you made me go first. I don't. I, I know what you. I yeah. I see. I don't like what you've done here. I don't like what you've done here. I see what you're doing, and I Let's don't go. appreciate it. Let's go. But nonetheless, I gotta make a pick here, Mitch. And uh, I know what I'm doing. So we need the sound. And with the first overall pick in our best quarterbacks of all time list, Mitch, I'm gonna go with Joe Montana. Oh, you I'm going. Did. With, I'm going with Joe Montana, Mitch, because you know what? I just don't want to take Tom Brady. I just don't want to take Tom Brady. And I know, I know he's the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> I know he's the GOAT. I'm not denying that. That's not what this is about. But I have to draft my five quarterbacks of all time. Who says I have to take Tom Brady 101? Who says either of us have to take him in the first round? We can take whatever no order one. we want. So I'm saying, you know what? If I had to have one quarterback, Mitch, all time, one guy, who do I want? I think I want Joe Montana. I think that's the guy I want. So I'm rolling him 101. Uh, you know what? I got to respect that. I got to respect that. Um, wow. you're. I think you're uh, dropping some jaws there with your 101. But I appreciate the pick. I'm going to go you into my pick say, down. And you, you did say we're going to make people mad. You said that at the top. So sure. uh, we got to deliver. We got to deliver. Sure. Well, now... You've just taken your handcuffs up and slapped them right back on me because now <laughs> I have no choice. I have no choice. So uh, well played on your part. Um, but I think you brought up a very good point. If you got one guy, who are you going to put the ball? Like who whose hands are you going to put the ball in? Mm. Right? Yep. So with my 101, I'm going to select. I, I know I'm, I'm missing the sound. I'm ready for it now. <laughs> I'm glad you switched his name on our uh, on our on our notes that we're sharing right now because it was going to be Tim Brady, <laughs> but yeah, I got to take Tom Brady here. I mean, yeah. this is this is this is a no brainer. Joe Montana wasn't, you know, Joe Montana's not there. Tom Brady's still there, and that, that's an easy pick. That's like take that's like Michael Jordan. That's like the Michael Jordan draft, right? Sam Bowie got taken ahead of him. And I forget who the other guy was, yeah. Kim Olajuwon, maybe. And now you've got to take, you got to right. take Michael Jordan. I got to yep. take Tom Brady here. So fair enough. Um, Tom Brady, clear enough. Um, but also to kind of build upon your point of I got one guy to put the ball in their hands. Who do I want? Um, I'm between two. Hmm. I'm really between two different ones here, and. I think I think the pick is in. I think okay. the pick is in. With the second pick 
I'm going to go with Drew Brees. Wow. I'm going to go with Drew Brees. In the second round. Okay, Drew Brees. I'm going to go with Drew Brees. I think that, and so for context's sake, it was between him and Peyton Manning. And I think when when the game comes down to it, Whose arm do I trust more to make that throw? Hmm. I think I give the slight edge to Drew Brees. And wow. it, it's, 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 it's exceptionally close, like exceptionally close. But I am going to take Brees here with my second pick. And I know I'm going to lose out on Peyton, and that's fine. But I think in the long haul, I'm, I'm going to be happy with taking Drew Brees um, here uh, with the with the 201 i guess yeah you know listen i i think uh i think history is gonna smile very fondly on drew Brees, better than we Absolutely. do him right now uh you know a guy who what never won an mvp so that certainly doesn't help his case but he's second all-time in passing yards behind just tom brady uh he had the most proficient passing, you know, most passing yards in a season until Patrick Mahomes broke that record this year with an extra game. Uh, you know, they, like he is one of the most prolific passers in NFL history, full stop. We, you know, you want to say era, want to say whatever, it doesn't matter. Like he was that guy. Now, greatness again can be measured in different ways. I love that that's how you're measuring this greatness. And I, I mean, he deserves to be in these top tens, I think. So I love oh, it. 100%. Like if he wasn't going to go to, he was going to go somewhere in someone's yeah. break. He was going to go somewhere. So, um, okay. and I didn't want to lose that opportunity on this turn that you're going to have yeah. with two straight picks and lose out on Drew Brees. So I'm going to take Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mitch takes Drew Brees with his second pick. Now my turn for my second pick. This is an easy one. I'll just hit the sound here. Yeah. As yeah. you mentioned, you were between two guys. I will take the other. I will take Peyton Manning. Uh, honestly, Mitch, I did debate Peyton Manning at the 101. I really did. I love Peyton. I think Peyton is really, oh, me too. you know, one of the greatest. And, uh, you know, third in passing yards. We talked about passing yards. Third in passing yards all time behind Brady and Breeze. So, uh, you know, statistically, one of those guys uh, is going to be way up there in, in you know, the uh, career stat numbers. Uh, he's third all time in passing touchdowns as well behind Breeze and Brady. So statistically a guy that's up there, but a winner, Super Bowl winner, twice MVP, multiple times. I mean, he's one of the best, one of the greatest, uh, best of the Manning brothers. There's no doubt it had to be Peyton. Yeah, I mean, the, and this was what gave Peyton the slight edge over Breeze for me when I was debating between the two. Probably the highest football IQ we've ever seen mm. in the game, ever. Yeah. I mean, this guy was his own offensive coordinator for the majority of his career. I mean, this yeah. guy just saw things that most other people didn't, and um, which makes him one of the great offensive minds, great football minds of all time. I, I'm fully confident Peyton Manning could go be a defensive coordinator somewhere because mm. that's how well he understands defenses looking at it from an offensive perspective, like love just that. a, 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 be- a beautiful off a beautiful football mind. Yeah. Love that. All right, Mitch, I've got back-to-back picks here and honestly, Oh man, I'm kind of in a, or I've got the second pick here and I'm kind of in a bind because I know I'm, you're going to have two. So it's going to be a minute before I get back to me. I'm debating between a number of guys here. Who do I think you're going to take? I got to go. I got to go with my gut here. Uh, pick is in. 
And with my third pick, I am picking Dan Marino. Mm, Okay. I'll go Dan Marino with my third pick here. And, uh, you know, a number of guys I debated here, but Marino, obviously Hall of Famer, nine Pro Bowls, an MVP, uh, you know, very prolific passer, had a lot of records before these, you know, modern uh, quarterbacks sort of came about, but uh, doesn't have the postseason success of a lot of his contemporaries. A lot of the people will compare him to here too, but one of the best passers, period, in NFL history. So when I think of quarterbacks, I just think of Dan Marino. feels like I had to put him on this list. Yeah, I mean, he was the first... The first one, in, in my recollection at least, that was prolific in the modern sense. Yeah. Like, like Terry Bradshaw was a great passer, right? He was a prolific mm-hmm. passer. Dan Marino was prolific in the modern sense, and he was kind of the first one to see it. Him and John Elway, because they started yeah. at the same time. So, like, yeah. you know, they, they were kind of those first pioneers of the modern era of football. And so I, I, I have... Yeah. Dan Marino's a great pick. Dan Marino's a I mean, pick. yeah, as you as you stated, I mean, Marino threw for 5,000 yards in 1984. Right. In 1984. You know what I mean? When when guys weren't throwing that much and, and putting up numbers like that. So, yeah, I mean, the first of what feels like this, you know, the, the beginning of what this modern wave looks like for sure. All right, Mitch, that's my third pick. You've got back-to-back here, including your third pick. What are you thinking? So many things. <laughs> I know. So, so many, many names. Things. I'm, uh, it's just, it's impossible to pick between all these guys. I, uh, the pick is in, the pick is in. Okay. I just mentioned him and it, I would be remiss if I didn't pick, um, another quarterback from the 1983 draft. And that would be John Elway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I two time Super Bowl champion, um, MVP of Super Bowl 38. Um, he ended his career the way that every NFL player wants to, which was on top, right? He won the Super Bowl MVP, won the Super Bowl, and then retired. Like, that's the way that you want to go out. John yep. Elway had literally a storybook storybook ending to his career. Um, underrated stat, by the way. He ranks ninth amongst all quarterbacks in rushing yards for his career surprisingly oh, mobile yeah um nine pro bowls three-time all pro honoree uh mvp honors 1987 um guys just a a fantastic career and a and a winner at its highest caliber so i gotta take yeah. John elway i love that that was the the other guy I was really debating hard there between marino and elway i was like i gotta take one of those guys here with that pick because I knew you were going to go that same direction. So yeah, I I had a I had a tough call there between those two. So good call there with, with Elway. So I'm between two now. Okay. And it's do I let old head Mitch get into this because Ooh. there's two older classic players that I really want to take. Okay. I just don't know if one of them really belongs on this yeah. top five for me, and there's one that clearly does, that's not in that category. So the pick is in pick is in. Okay. Pick is in. I'm glad I talked myself through that because there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're going to go Brett Favre here. Oh, go Brett Favre. I love it. 
See, and this is the guy that's like, okay, he's not the older classic guy, but he clearly belongs yeah. in this list somewhere. Um, and I got to go with Brett Favre. Uh, the gunslinger mentality. I love it. When he retired, he was the NFL's leading pass, you know, passing touchdown hold, you know, record holder. Right. Um, this guy was uh, innovative, exciting, a three-time NFL MVP. In fact, he won it in three consecutive years. He's a Super Bowl champion. Um, was in back-to-back Super Bowls, um, as a matter of fact, 31 and 32. Finally won one in 30, or won one of those in 31. Um, won the NFL MVP from 95 to 97. Um, it's just, he might be the most exciting quarterback we've had as far as arm talent goes and his engine, you know, his ingenuity mm-hmm. and, and the way he's able to innovate the quarterback position with his arm. Um, he might be one of the most exciting ones we've ever seen in the modern era. So I have to take Brett Favre here. Yeah, I love that, Mitch. Uh, man, I, I'm i very glad you took Favre because, interestingly enough, I was looking at my next pick thinking there are two guys I'm debating. Both of them mm-hmm. Green Bay Packer legends. Oh, go ahead. And go I ahead. was going to pick whichever one was because I had a feeling I was like, Mitch is going to go. Well, I'm not taking him. You know, I'm not taking that guy. I can't take that guy. Well, you've been defending him all year. I thought maybe you would. uh, He's still a rat. He's still a rat. (laughs) But yeah, I was thinking Brett Favre because obviously, as you mentioned, I mean, for all the reasons he should be there. But uh, this sets me up very well for my fourth pick. So here we go. The pick is in. Let's take him. Let's take the rat. And uh, with this fourth pick, uh, I have to take A.A. Ron Rodgers. A.A. Ron Rodgers. I got to go Aaron Rodgers here, Mitch, because, uh, I mean, you look at him and Favre, they both need to be here, in my opinion. They both need to be here. Sure, very, very they comparable. Do. And it's actually funny you look at them side by side. Uh, Favre, an 11-time Pro Bowler. Aaron, 10-time Pro Bowler. Three-time All-Pro for Favre. Four-time All-Pro for Aaron. Now, uh, three-time MVP for Favre. Four-time MVP for Aaron. They each had one Super Bowl. Like, I mean, geez, they're like almost exactly the same. And even in the all-time numbers, very similar. Passing yards, uh, Favre is fourth with 71,000. Aaron Rodgers, 59,000. So he's got some time and playing time to catch him there. But you look at passing touchdowns, fourth all-time, Brett Favre. Fifth all-time, Aaron Rodgers, right behind him. So, uh, I mean... Rodgers is one of the greatest. Uh, he has to be on this list for me. So uh, you took Favre, I'll take Rodgers, and uh, that's fine with me. Yeah, I, you didn't yeah. want to take the Rat King. I didn't want to take the Rat King at all. And I, I will defend him based off his talent and his contributions to that team. I will always stand by that, but I will not select him for any team because he's the Rat King. So I get it. I get it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I understand. I won't make you. Uh, that's the best thing about these lists. We got to take the guys we want. Uh, and speaking of that, Mitch, with this final pick of mine, the fifth and final selection, uh, I am debating between a couple guys that I just simply want. I don't know if they quote unquote warrant being in the top 10 or, uh, you know, I don't like, could, could you debate them out of it? Could you convince me some other guys maybe should be in here? Sure. But there's, there's a couple guys. I just want to get in here in the top five. So for my final pick, I think I got it. I we'll go. We'll go. Pick is in. And I'm going to go with a great quarterback from a bygone era. I'm going to go Steve Young, Mitch. Mm. I got to go 
Former BYU Cougar. I'll go Steve Young as my fifth pick here. Two-time MVP, seven-time Pro Bowler, three-time Super Bowl champ, Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, what he did uh, with his legs and the ability to uh, improvise. I mean, you talked about Brett Favre and a lot of improv- improvisation and the gunslinger mentality, and we see in that so much in the NFL. And I think in a large way, a lot of what we saw from Steve Young in the early 90s is a lot of what we see in the NFL today for that reason, because he was playing at such a high level. And Steve didn't have the long career of a lot of these guys, but his peak and his era of dominance, that four or five year stretch was some of the best that we've seen at that position in the NFL period. So for that reason, he is one of the greats and I I loved him. He's one of my favorites. I'll throw him in here. Yeah. I I like that Steve Young pick. I really do. Like you said, not the, not the long career that everyone thought he had. A lot of people forget that he spent his first two years of professional football in the USFL. Yeah. So like, yeah. and then, then he was backing up in Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay before he went yeah. to San Francisco, before he went to San Francisco. So, um, though his peak may have been shorter than a lot of these greats, uh, his peak was exceptionally, exceptionally high and he was dynamic and, um, very deserving of being in the top 10. I, I would put him as a top 10 quarterback okay. of all time in my book. I would. He'd probably cool. be nine or 10, but he would definitely be there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Final pick. Look, I'm going to get my uh, old head. Mitch is coming in. I got to get my old head pick in here. Get the pick is in. And I knew you weren't going to take him. So that's why I feel totally comfortable waiting until the last pick here. I'm going Johnny. You. Johnny Unitas. Oh, I love it. They have to get Johnny Unitas in here. Look, a four-time NFL MVP, three-time NFL champion, and also has the Super Bowl. So technically four times uh, was an NFL champion, one in Super Bowl five, um, ten t- there are 10 Pro Bowls, a career that spanned 18 seasons. Look, he was the Tom Brady of his time. Um, and I think that I'm a history guy. I love history, and I think it's disrespectful for to not acknowledge the humble beginnings, the the roots, the 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 foundation of which the NFL was built upon. And though the NFL spanned, you know, thirty three years before Johnny Unitas even put on a jersey, um, it's it's important to recognize those old players and their contributions to the game. Johnny Unitas was that first superstar quarterback. And um, I, I have to give it up to Johnny Unitas. His Colts years were fantastic. I think he had a couple years in San Diego that may not have been as fantastic, but um, you know, he, he, he revolutionized the quarterback position. Um, him and Raymond Berry were an absolute dynamic combination. Him and John Mackey, I think he threw to um, in that, in that era as well. Just a, a, f- a fantastic, fantastic career for Johnny Unitas. And uh, for me, until we see multiple other quarterbacks come through the league, will always be a top 10 quarterback in my mind. And so for him going number 10 right here uh, just feels uh, right to me. So I'm going Johnny U. I love it, Mitch. Honestly, a guy who made my short list. He was a guy I was considering. And 
I, like you said, I wasn't going to take him because ultimately they're just a bunch of other guys I just would rather have. But certainly somebody who had to be considered when you, especially when you look at the history of the NFL and some of those quarterbacks, like Sammy Baugh was another name that I did write down. Sammy Baugh. You know, a foundational piece. Like you just can't compare him to quarterbacks today because he was just a different player, playing a different position, you know, practically. But important to the genesis of that position and the history of the NFL. Absolutely. Uh, that's the top 10s. Before we run through it one more time, I do want to ask you uh, any honorable mentions or guys that now that we've run through the list that maybe you were considering would have just missed out uh, that you would have uh, thought about here. Yeah. Um, I was considering Otto Graham. Okay. Um, another old head pick there. Um, I believe he was in nine NFL championships in his 10 years in the career. Yeah. In his 10 year career, won three of them. Um, Otto Graham was definitely consideration. Fran Tarkenton was another one. Um, I mean, the list could go on and on. Uh, Bart Starr was another one. Ben Roethlisberger came into mind. Mm. Roger Staubach. I mean, yeah. just, I mean, the, like we, like we said multiple times during this draft, the, the list is endless. And you just have to pick your guys, your guys, when you come to this kind of draft style format, when we come into a top five situation. hundred so. percent. Yeah. I mentioned Boz, one of mine and uh, Staubach, uh, Aikman and Bradshaw were two names I wrote down as, you know, just yep. names that should be sort of thought of in this exercise. Uh, Kurt Warner, another, a name that I did. I, I threw on that list. Uh, one name that I honestly wanted to take Mitch, but I'll wait a little bit. I'll just wait a little bit. Maybe after uh, this season ends, we it. can put him on there. But Patrick don't Mahomes oh, is about no. to win his second MVP in five years. And so it's too early to put him on an all-time quarterback great list. But when you win two MVPs in your first five seasons, and if he wins another Super Bowl this year, I mean, we're talking about a very short list of people who have accomplished that in even any period of time, let alone the first five years of your career. So uh, I didn't do it because I wasn't going to – but I wasn't going to do it all, you know, but I did write him down and I did think about it because he is really off to a, an incredible start to his career. He he really is. He really, really is. Um, but like you said, way too early. I actually just recently rewatched Stephen A. Smith's doing his top five quarterbacks of all time. And Patrick Mahomes was number four on that list. And oh. my jaw dropped and I'm like, wow, How can you make that call now? You just yeah. can't. It's too early. We've seen plenty of guys have peaks and then just absolutely fall off the cliff. How could you put him in your top five yeah. all time right now? I, I just don't get it. Crazy. I yeah, don't get fascinating. it. Uh, Mitch, let's run through our lists one more time for the folks. Uh, I, I, I'll start here. Uh, here's our top five. Uh, our picks for the great best quarterbacks of all time. Uh, for one to five for me, I had uh, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, Aaron Rodgers and Steve Young. And so for my top five, I had Tom Brady, Drew Brees, John Elway, Brett Favre, and Johnny U, Johnny Unitas. Love it. Uh, a little diversity in our picks, a mix of things. You love to see it. Let us know, folks, uh, who uh, who had the better list, perhaps. If you're watching live on Twitter or YouTube, leave a comment. Let us know who whose list you think is the strongest. Uh, if you think we missed anybody egregious or you think uh, we're crazy for putting somebody on our list, uh, also you know, let us know in the comments if you have any thoughts there. Mitch, Absolutely. we've got to uh, move to the final part of the podcast today, our NFL divisional round preview uh great 
wild card weekend and we've got to get into uh the division around so i'm gonna throw the music in there behind us quick fix oh, yeah we love the music gotta have it I even bump it up just a bit but division around it's good start with saturday two games on saturday two games on sunday that's the schedule this weekend in the nfl uh we start with the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're leaving the swamps of Jacksonville. And they're headed to a place, Mitch, which I, I know that you've heard. They've, they've got some pretty good barbecue out there. they got some great barbecue out they, there. They got some pretty good barbecue out there in Kansas City. That's so we've heard. Jags and Chiefs, four seed Jacksonville, number one seed Kansas City. Chiefs looking to get back to the Super Bowl. Jags looking to pull off a miraculous playoff run. Kansas City's favored in this game, Mitch, minus eight and a half. Pretty big line for Kansas City. Over under is 53. Uh, we'll make picks like we did last week. We'll pick a winner. We'll, we'll you know, we'll talk about the line over under. We'll, we'll discuss all those in here. Uh, when you look at this matchup, though, Mitch, what do you think is the biggest uh, key in this game you know there's a there's a lot of big keys in this game I think it's that Kansas City does not play down to their competition mm. I think you have to know that you're a better team than Jacksonville do not give them the opportunity you saw what happened last week when Sandy or when Los Angeles gave them the opportunity to stay in that game and what happened Jacksonville makes it to the divisional round the Chargers do not I think the biggest key for Kansas City do not let Jacksonville hang around because it has been shown now they will come back and bite you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that was very evident to me coming out of the wild card weekend was the importance of quarterback play in the playoffs. It becomes so evident at this time of year how important it is to have not just good quarterback play, but elite quarterback play and what a difference that can make getting through this playoff slog. And uh, I mean, this week, and especially in the AFC, I mean, incredible quarterback matchups, but you've got Patrick Mahomes, former MVP, already a Super Bowl champ, going to win another MVP likely this year against Trevor Lawrence, making his second playoff start. And he had a great bounce back last week, but this will be a whole different environment, Mitch. He's not at home. He's not, he's not at uh, the greatest tailgate party ever out there at Jacksonville you know he's in a hostile environment in Arrowhead with a crowd that knows the playoffs and knows big level football and how can he as a quarterback handle that situation as opposed to Patrick Mahomes who has shown us this whole season control absolute control over his game this team this offense everything uh, that's the key to me can Lawrence match Mahomes on that level can he rise to that occasion we will see. He's certainly talented, but very young. Uh, it will be a test. It will be a, a very serious test. Very serious test. Okay. The pick, the, Mitch. Kansas City's pick. favored minus eight and a half. Again, over under is set at 53 points. Who are you going in this game? Well, you know, I'll be sitting in Mahomes watching this game. And I got some good juju about this one. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to be kicking myself in the butker. Give me Kansas City minus eight and a half. I'm going to take the under on this one. I think it's going to be a two-score game that winds up under 53. Give me Kansas City minus eight and a half and the under 53. 
I love you. <laughs> How long have you been working on that one? That was good. That was good. You really brought that it. Was, you had me there. That was about minute 30 seconds of, of just looking through names. So Oh, okay. More to wow. come. Hey, More damn. to come, my friend. Wait, wait to flex on the people. Mitch is like, what do you mean time, bro? That just came to me. I'm a, I'm a god with this. Incredible. Uh, Mitch, I will... Uh, I'm going to roll with Kansas City on this one. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs are just a juggernaut. I They will not cover, though. I'm going to say no cover for Kansas City. Jacksonville is going to keep this a close game, and I will take the over, actually. I'm going to say over of 53 points. It'll be a high-scoring affair, but Kansas City will hold on to win this one in advance to yet another AFC Championship game. That leads us to our Saturday night matchup, Mitch, an NFC East matchup. Number six seed New York Giants headed to the link, taking on number one Philly. 14 and three Eagles hosting the Giants. Third matchup this year between these division rivals. Philly favorite in this game, minus seven and a half. Over under set at 48 points, Mitch. Uh, we talked about the Giants already uh, in our wild card recap. Impressive win against Minnesota. This offense is showing out. This Philly team, though, a whole different matchup. Uh, what do you, what is, I guess, what's your key for Philly in this game? We haven't seen them in the playoffs as they had the bye. What's going to be the key to Philly coming out strong and winning this one? Do not overuse Jalen Hurts. Hmm. Protect the quarterback moving forward. The quarterback that just had injury issues. You know you're better than the Giants. You can go out and beat the Giants. That's fine. Don't overrun him. We saw the Ravens do that with Lamar Jackson just a couple of years ago where he accounted for yards on like 80, you know, it was was like 75 plays that the team ran, and it came back to bite him in the butt the very next week. Don't overuse Jalen Hurts. Use him smart. Use your noggin. I know Nick Sirianni and that coaching staff is going to game plan around that. Use Jalen Hurts effectively but not overly use Jalen Hurts. I think that's the key here. Establish the run game early and let let your receivers eat on the deep routes. I think mm. that's really going to be effective for Philadelphia. Yeah, I love that, Mitch. And, you know, I, I think when you look at the Giants, it's just uh, it's it's tough when you're entering that third matchup with the team who's had your number this year. And the Giants lost both those matchups with Philly. Week 14, they lost at home 48-22. to in that week 18 game just a few weeks ago, they lost 22 to 16. Now, I mean, that was like Giants weren't even playing starters. That's, you know, you can kind of throw that week 18 game out the window. But this Eagles team has been the dominant team in the division. Can the Giants rise to the occasion here yet again? We shall see. So we'll make our picks here again. Philly minus seven and a half over under 48. I am going to roll with the Eagles. Fly Eagles fly. I'm rolling with Philly, Mitch, and I am going to say they cover. I will take the minus seven and a half for Philly. Close one. Maybe like an eight-point win, like they barely get it. But I'm going to say they cover, and I will take the over. 48's a really good line. That's really that's making me think. But yeah. I'm going to go slightly over like they get to 50, maybe. 27-24 kind of game. But uh, I will go, yeah, I'll go over. I like I like that number of 48. It's a good number to take on the points there. Um, I would, whatever the number is for team total first half for Philadelphia, I think that's what I would like to take. But for mm. the sake of these picks, I've been jonesing 
for a divisional rivalry matchup. I've been Jonesing, you know, and I think it's going to be a good Galladay when we watch this when we watch this game. Um, a good NFC matchup, but I have to tell you that at the end of the day, after I make this pick, it's going to hurt so good. Give me Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles minus seven and a half, and I will take the over with you, my friend. Okay. And you know what? I'll look up whatever the number is here, but I do also want to put down first half team total for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that they can hit that. Giants probably make some adjustments in the second half, make it a little bit closer. But okay. That I think that I think the Eagles come out swinging in the first half and get that thing done. Yeah, good call there. All right, Mitch. Sunday football and this is matchup of the week i think in my opinion uh the second of the afc matchups number three cincinnati at number two buffalo a rematch of a game that basically didn't happen that tragic monday night game just a few weeks ago in which damar hamlin went down uh with that injury and and what has happened since and here we these two teams are uh less than a month later facing off in the playoffs in the divisional round Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs. I mean, the stars are out, and it'll be a fun one. Mitch Buffalo, favorite in this, minus five and a half, over under set at 48 points. Who do you, if you had to stake a claim, I just named four superstars, and there's more in this game. What superstar comes out and has the best game on Sunday? Who, who rises to the occasion here in the divisional round? Oh, God, it's tough. It's tough to pick. I mean, there's so many big names here. Look for Tredavious White to have two picks. Ooh, yeah. I like Tredavious hey. White to make some big defensive plays here. In fact, it seems very black and white to me that Tredavious White has a big game and not in the inverse. I like I like Tredavious White to, uh, to have the big game, get two picks oh. off Joe Burrow, make him very uncomfortable throwing the football. Yeah, I feel like you were chasing that one a little bit, Mitch, but that's okay. Um, hey, listen, well, okay. I, <laughs> we're just trying to, you know, we're trying to mix in a little bit here, you know. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if you will, uh, Mitch, I love this. Uh, man, this is this is a tough pick. I'm going to tell you that straight up. This is a tough pick for me. I'm going to let you go first here. I'll let you you make the pick first. I'll, I got I can need a second. You go ahead. All right. Okay, don't burrow your head in the sand here because this is going to be a fantastic game. And you won't ha- you it, it, it's going to be a fantastic game. This is the game that we should have gotten on Monday night before the tragedy with Demar Hamlin, right? This was that premier matchup. We're going to get it. I hope Demar Hamlin is healthy enough to be in the building for this one because what an electric atmosphere Jeez, that yeah. would be. Oh my gosh, what an atmosphere that would be. But if there is a single Terry thing that can take away from this. It's that I'm digs in the Buffalo bills in this one. Give me the bills minus five and a half. Give me the over in this one high scoring affair. I like the bills at home team of destiny. Go get it done. You could say the super bowl is noxing on their door. Keep it coming. Love it. Uh, Yeah. Mitch, oh man, I said I'm struggling with this. I'm going with the Bengals. I'm going with Joe Burrow, the Tiger King, 
man, I just think this Bengals team is just underrated and we're just kind of sleeping on them. And I think they're going to surprise some folks on Sunday. I think they're going to pull off this win and we're going to ask ourselves, why didn't we see it coming? Why didn't we see them back in the AFC championship game? I, I, I just have a feeling about this Bengals team and I want to believe in Buffalo so bad. I was with you before the season. We both picked Buffalo to win the Super Bowl, but I am pivoting here. Wow. And I'm going to go Cincinnati. You rode that long and now you're pivoting. I'm, I'm, you I'm, rode that I, long and you're pivoting. I have a feeling Cincinnati's going to win this game. I'll take the over with you as well. 48 is a low line for these high-powered offenses. Like, I know Very the defenses low. are also talented, but these are, you know, they're capable of putting some points up in this game. So I don't know about that 48 line there, but I will roll with Cincinnati. I got a feeling. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. I got a feeling. All right, Mitch, final game, Sunday night football. The Dallas Cowboys, 12-5. and five. They're leaving the Lone Star State, and they're headed to the uh, the city by the bay, San- Santa Clara. Because, <laughs> you know, technically, that is it's where it's Technically Santa Clara. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. <laughs> to take on the San Francisco 49ers, 13-4, Mitch. This is, I mean, this is a classic matchup of classic franchises. A Dallas team that's playing really well. A Niners team that's playing really well. Niners favored in this one at home. Minus four over under is set at 46 points. This is, I mean, we talked about this Niners team. We talked about this Dallas team. Uh, Is Brock, is it going to come crashing down at a certain point, Mitch? Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. He was 5-0 and as a starter. He looks fantastic in his first playoff game. Like, when does it end? Can it, can this, could this be the week that we see the, the wheels fall off for Brock Purdy? I really don't think so. I actually very seriously doubt that. I know I've been talking about wanting to Brock all night and Purdy, Purdy all day, but man, this just, this is a performance like we've never seen other than maybe Nick Foles in a backup role coming in and stepping in like this. Um, Brock Purdy is real. He's real. This Niners team is real. I think the key to this game, though, um, is not on the offensive side of the ball. I think D'Amico Ryans is going to have to put together the best game plan of his entire career Mm -hmm. to hold off the Dallas Cowboys. And I have the confidence in D'Amico Ryans that he is going to do it. This is a brilliant football mind, a brilliant mind in general, but a brilliant football mind. And he is going to get this thing done and game plan accordingly for the Dallas Cowboys and have the best game planning of his career. Yeah, you know, I, man, I mean, we, we, we talked about this, this Niners team at length earlier in the podcast and just how much talent there is. And I mean, you're going to you're going to believe in that talent full full stop. But I do have I just have I have a thought, Mitch. Of you what have to happens, get over it. What happens when it's 31-28 and the Niners are down and it's two-minute drill time and Purdy's in the game and it's like, all right, kid, game's on the line. It's on you. The talent is all out there, but you need that kid to take the snap and get the ball out. Can you? Can he do it? We haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. And that worries me with this Niners team because we have seen it from these veteran players. Dak has like 16, 18 game-winning drives since 2016, most in the NFL during that span. So 
So I trust Dak Prescott to go get it done. Can we trust Brock Purdy? We don't know yet, but that's my one worry. Like the talent on this team doesn't worry me. The coaching on that team doesn't worry me. But if the game's on the line and Brock Purdy has to make the play, can he do it? Can he do it? That'll be the question. That's the question. See, and I I get that out of my mind completely because I don't think Brock Purdy will be in that situation. I think the defense will absolutely hold this. So I'll make my pick here. Okay. Give me San Francisco. To win the game, I don't think they cover. I'm taking the under. Okay. So San, San Francisco, Francisco to win, but Dallas, I guess, technically four plus four because they they San Francisco doesn't cover. But I, I really think this could be a 2023 game, a 2017 game. I really can see that situation happening. Uh, in this, because this is going to be a slugfest. They're going to beat the hell out of each other for 60 minutes, and it's going to be awesome to watch. Yeah. Oh, man. This is this is really tough for me, Mitch. Like, I'm going to roll with the Niners in this one. I'm going to roll. I'm going to do every. I'm going to. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm going to say Niners. I'm not going to say they cover because I think this will be a tight game. And I'm going to take the under because I think they win this one on the back of the defense. Uh, and I don't think, and, and if this happens, this this is fine. Because if Purdy doesn't look great and they win, that's all I need to see. That's all I need to see to, like, get over right. it is just that, like, because even last week, I mean, the second half wasn't even close. This kid's rolling because everything's easy. What happens when it's not easy, Mitch? What happens when it's hard, when you need him to make those plays in key moments? Is he good enough to do it? We just don't know that yet, but I'm going to trust in the talent. I'm going to trust against Mike McCarthy in the playoffs here. And I will say, probably rightfully Niners, so. and I say we get Niners Eagles in the NFC championship game next week, which would be just an absolute treat. So I'm going to, oh I'm going to say, I'll, I'll go with you there. I'll go with you there. I love it. There you go. Great stuff. Great stuff. That's our picks for the divisional round. Uh, so we're pretty much on the same page on, on all these, both picked the Niners. We both picked Philly, we both picked Kansas city. The only thing we differ on Cincinnati and Buffalo. I got the Bengals and you got the bills. Yep. And I got, got the under in Kansas city, I guess, but yes, fantastic weekend ahead of football, Mitch. Fantastic weekend ahead Four great games on Saturday and Sunday. And can't wait to break it all down with you next week here on the podcast. Can't wait, buddy. This is going to be an awesome week of football. Awesome. Yes. Cannot awesome. wait. Uh, that uh, is going to do it for the podcast today, folks. So we appreciate you hanging around, as you always do. If you've been watching live on YouTube or Twitter, we appreciate you tuning in uh, while we do this on Wednesday night. If you're listening to the podcast later on, thanks for uh, catching up and uh, being a part of this. If you don't already You'll want to check out the social media pages. We've got quite a bit, but you'll want to follow us on TikTok. That is at the Sports Hour, guys. The Instagram is also at the Sports Hour, guys. The YouTube channel, if you're watching on YouTube, you already know. But if you want to check us out on our live stream, it's youtube.com slash the Sports Hour, guys. Uh, you can also follow the Twitter at Sports Hour, guys. That's how you can catch the live stream there. Uh, Mitch, let's remind the people about Anchor. Anchor is the only way that you become a permanent part of the conversation. We talked about it right after the mid-roll. Get on anchor.fm slash the sports hour, guys. 
Become a permanent part of the conversation. Be more like Sammy and David, folks. Come on, let's get th- let's get this rolling. Let's go. <laughs> uh, you go on Anchor.fm slash Sports Hour, guys. Leave us a voice message. We'll play it live right here. Like you'll be on YouTube. You're YouTube famous now. You'll be on YouTube because you we are playing your message right here live on the show. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can get this podcast if you're listening to it in the podcast form anywhere that you get your podcasts. Um, that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, get on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating review. Tell us that we suck because, Dallin, that's the only way that we can get better. Oh, man, it is the only way that we could get better. Check out the website as well if you haven't already, the sportshourguys.wordpress.com. I have my uh, top 10 mock draft that we talked about on the podcast last week. That is up on the website, so you can read the breakdown a little more in-depth there. Uh, so any of the written content, you can find that there again, the sportshourguys.wordpress.com. Mitch. That's right. Here we are. Here, here it is. 156. 156. In the, books. In the books. You got a beautiful Montreal Expos hat on today for the folks. Yeah. Looking good. I wasn't feeling too spicy. I, I got some uh, minor league hats that I got mm. on the wish list that you know, we'll, we'll check off pretty soon. Nice. Well, the Expos is a classic. And I oh, had to put on... Throwback a different hoodie because I've worn the same hoodie for the last couple of weeks. So our entire TikTok feed is me in the same sweatshirt. So I was like, I need to wear a different shirt when we record or it's else, not the same TikToks, show. Yeah. I was like all these TikToks, you'd be like, this guy only wears this one hoodie. What is this? You I wear dirty other clothes. son of a gun. <laughs> you never wash your clothes. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Or I just like that hoodie on Wednesdays. I don't know what it is, but there you go. So, oh, uh man too much fun but uh we should uh we should wrap this up here so uh we'll do so it's a pleasure as always to be here with you guys we uh we love doing this so i uh, love going live listening to the podcast we appreciate it until next time we love you we appreciate you and we'll catch you next week so long everybody and a very pleasant good evening wherever you may be see ya <laughs>